I have to admit, we can admit things at church, right? This is a safe community. So here goes. I have to admit that a couple of months ago when the pastoral staff requested you as a congregation for suggestions about a sermon series, I was nervous. And then as we saw the requests come in and the suggestions come in, I had some questions. Because one of the things that you requested as a church was a series on Revelation. Challenging. And then when I saw my name on that list in that series, a burden. But this morning, we're going to open up the Word of God and we're going to listen to a plea, to a request from a loving God to his church. And I'm excited this morning because it's a message of hope and of a promising future. So as we open up the word this morning, let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful. We are grateful that you have called us to come together and live in community. And this morning, as we open your word, we ask that you will give us spirits of learning, of understanding, of compassion, and of growth. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Once upon a time. Do you like stories? Yeah? Good. And if you don't, bear with me. It'll be over all pretty soon. Once upon a time, there were a small cluster of towns in a valley. The large town in the valley itself was not so pretty, but the surrounding towns and areas provided a wonderful view, especially during certain times of the year. One town in a nearby hill was a beautiful place where people would often go to relax, to get away, and at times was the water source for all the nearby villages. These towns, and the large one in particular, were known for its wealth and prosperity. Their wealth and prosperity primarily derived from the medical field, the school, and supporting industries. In fact, when there was a need for money to rebuild, the people decided not to request assistance from the authorities, but rather decided to use their own wealth to repay the building costs. They thought that it would be nice to allow other less fortunate towns to use the funds of the authorities to rebuild. The nice people of this 
Valley pretty much all wore the same types of clothing, especially during the week at work, and they were proud of it. It was a status symbol of sorts. The people of this happy valley would live from day to day content and satisfied with how God had blessed them. They visited retreat centers, day spas, and even spiritual revival weekends. They took their children to school and watched them grow up and get married. They cheerfully observed as their grandchildren learned about Jesus. And they gratefully lived happily ever after. Is there anyone here this morning that wants to venture a guess as to this cluster of towns? I'll give you a hint. It starts with an L. Nobody? I heard Loma Linda. Um, Close. Ends with an A. Laodicea. You're right. Laodicea, the message to the church in Laodicea is found in Revelation chapter 3. If you'll turn with me there, you can read it on the screen as as I'll read from the New International Version. Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14 and going through verse 21. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Sadly, there are religious groups out there that use the book of Revelation and the message to the Laodicean church as a scourge. And by doing this, they develop 
among their members, and especially younger ones, a fear of God. This picture that's painted of a God that is one that hates them and cannot wait to destroy them. The message that I must be on fire for God. Because God hates a lukewarm Christian more than an individual who is cold and not even a follower of God causes confusion and doubt of a loving God. Language such as straddling the fence or living in no man's land are born out of this type of understanding. The tragedy is that these groups and so many others have missed the tones of the Spirit that are right there in the message itself, right there in each of the seven letters. And thankfully, that understanding is not complete. There's something more to add to that. This morning, I'm before you with good news. The good news is that revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Nothing more. In Revelation 1.17 it says, because it is a revelation of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid. It's not about an event that's going to happen. It's about a person. This vision is not about some future time but for the seven churches, it was present reality. They were called to embrace this message and to live out the message of Jesus Christ. Now, I have to be honest that the admonitions in the letters were never candy-coated. They were stern. But they were always associated with kindness, with praise, and promise of future glory. The churches are conceived in this love of Jesus. And out of this love, we can understand that the punishment is not endless. Each congregation is addressed individually, but not in private, openly. Each congregation has traits of a future, of a glorified Christ. The blame is limited. And it's against them right now. It says, I have this one thing, these two things against you right now. But come on, you can change. People get with it. But the praise and the promise, they're limitless, unending originating and coming to fulfillment in the love of God. Now, Pastor Chris has asked us to do this every week as a reminder, so I'm going to ask you to say this with me. Revelation is what? Is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Say it with me again. Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
And the message from Jesus to the Laodicean church has to do with living in community more than anything else. For persons and congregations who have been bombarded with tedious, footnoted analysis of this church for years, the seven distinct letters of John are supposed to be a relief And the message to this church is no different. A little about the town. Anybody curious? Laodicea was a pleasure-conscious city and noted throughout the Roman Empire for its wealth. It was a banking center. And it was the most prosperous of the cities in that little cluster of seven towns. In fact, they were so wealthy that after the earthquake of, of AD 60 just destroyed the city, they refused help from the Roman Empire. Just refused it. They said, we don't need it. We've got our own money. We'll, re- we'll rebuild. Although the Laodiceans were loaded, or what we might call comfortable these days, the call to buy gold refined in the fire is a reference to a call to for them to build up their spiritual faith. The condemnation was for a community that was spiritually bankrupt. Laodicea also derived its wealth from the fertility of the surrounding areas and their textile industries. It was famous for a black cloth that was real soft in texture. Um, It was a high glossy wool that they developed. And They marketed various types of clothing, but the one they were most famous for was a tunic called the Tremata. And they wore this black garment with pride. It was their garment for their city. But in his letter, John advises the Christians to turn from that, to take off their black clothing of their pride, but to put on their white clothes of purity, and of righteousness. Is this beginning to make sense, everything that he's saying? Yeah? Now, 13 miles to the west of Laodicea, there was a school, and it just happened to be a school of medicine. And they produced an eye salve called the Phrygian powder, and it was said to cure weak eyes. And so they took this, and they turned it into a tablet, and they marketed it, into the entire Mediterranean region. And they took great pride in their medical skills, but they were unaware of their spiritual blindness and the needs of the people around them. Just couldn't see it. Jesus appeals to them to buy salve from him so that they might have better spiritual vision so that they may be able to see the needs of the people around them. Now, every great city, every great organization has something wrong with it. For Laodicea, it was a lack of water supply. Now, I don't know if you've ever been camping, but I would recommend that you don't go camping without water. It's not a fun experience. So they had this great city, this rich city with no water. 
They didn't have the nearby cool well water of the city of Colossae. And they definitely didn't have the hot, mineral and rich water of Heropolis across the valley. So what they had to do was they developed massive, sophisticated infrastructure of aqueducts. And they brought in water from a, from a region, from a spring, five miles to the south. The problem was twofold. One, because it was so rich in minerals, the aqueducts would get clogged. So they developed structures and systems into the pipes where they can remove sections of the, they can remove the filters and clean it out and reinsert it so the water would be clean. The other problem was a little bit more serious. Any of you from Florida? Okay. How does your water taste? Horrible. They had the same problem. Not only was it not hot, and it wasn't even cold. It tasted bad, and it was lukewarm. Now, have any of you been to Glen Ivy? Yeah, okay, you can be honest here. It's a nice place, isn't it? Would you drink that water? Would you drink the mineral spring water there? Doris says no. Why not? Doesn't taste good. So that's their problem. One commentator said that the only thing to deal with that water was to vomit it out. In the Greek, it literally means to, to vomit, to throw up, when it says, I will spit you out. John's metaphor comparing the church to the city's lukewarm, stale water in that time to that church would have been easily understood. The condemnation of this city rebukes not their lack of fervor, but their lack of effectiveness. The tragedy is that this church was ignorant of the peril that it was in. It was completely satisfied with itself. The members had been inoculated by a mild form of faith rather than catching the real thing. It's for a, this message is for a community to come together to be hot or to be cold. Hot and cold, it's not on a linear continuum where hot is, is good and cold is bad. Rather, being hot is a call for the community to be like hot spring water, therapeutic, a community that is nurturing, that is soothing, that is healing. Or to be cold in an equally beneficial way. It refers to a, this cold community is not one that turns its back is not one that is unfriendly and hospitable, but rather it refers to a community being refreshing, to a community that invigorates, gives energy to, gives vitality to the people associated with it. The message is to a church already in a pre-existing relationship with God.
And it's always to a group of people. Sin fragments. Sin separates us. But the gospel restores, reunites, and invites us to live in community. The life of faith revealed and nurtured in the biblical narratives is highly personal, but not individual. Always there's a family, there's a tribe, there's a nation, there's a church community that this message is for. Separation from God becomes separation from neighbor. And the salvation that restores our relationship with God places us in community of people in faith. And after all this rebuke, Jesus still stands at the door and knocks asking us to invite him in so that he can come live among us. He calling us to repent and share and fellowship with him and live this way. Live as a therapeutic, as a refreshing community with him at the center. That was the message then. What's the message now? Is there something that the modern church, the church that we belong to in the 21st century, can learn from Jesus' message through John to the Laodicean church? Now, if you're like me and you've grown up in the Adventist church, then you've heard that this church of the end time is the Laodicean church. And if that's the church today, then we as Adventists, we're included in that. Is that correct? Right? So, we as a community of 14 million people around the world, that's a lot. What do we do when we as a membership believe that we need to wake up as a church? We need to take heed to this message. What do we do? The easiest thing might be to point to the structure that we've established look to the pastors, look to the leaders of the conferences, of the unions, of the world church, and say, fix it, do something, tell us what to do. But can I ask you, can I challenge you to be more proactive this morning? Take this message to heart. Make it yours as a congregation. And look inside, look around you this morning at the people around you. What can we do in our church, in our community, to accept, to share this message, this revelation of Jesus Christ in a therapeutic and a refreshing way? I want to give you a couple examples. I know Judy's around, Judy Yakish is around here somewhere. There you are. I didn't even ask you about this, but it's been widely known in parts of this community, so I'll just share this anyway. Judy and, and some students at MGA Monthly, is that correct, are involved in our community. 
going down to a mobile home park and pretty much adopting it with, with local funding and local help. I know the last time they were out there, Pastor Chris and Pastor Dan were out with them working together with the students to rebuild, to bring healing to the community around us. That's a beautiful example of this message to the Laodicean church. Another modern example of this, if you need some ideas, we've got to bring healing. Many of you are already aware of the horrific string of school shootings that have been happening. I personally have been caught up in the story of five precious Amish children that were brutally killed. Um, You've probably heard this already. Um, We're drawn to it here because one of our former students here is now a resident in in Paradise. We're very close to all of this happening. And... um, that day, a couple of weeks ago, when Charles Roberts went in, was, was a tragedy. Killed five students, took his own life. But out of this, there is something that we can learn about Christian community. At his funeral, as he was being laid to rest, Dozens of Amish people, the neighbors that were where their lives were just tragically shattered, they came out to his funeral after having forgiven him, meeting with his wife, meeting with his family. And it's been recorded in news articles that out of the 75 or so people that were at his funeral, over half of them were from the Amish community. One of the chaplains is quoted, it's the love, the forgiveness, the heartfelt forgiveness that they have towards this family. I broke down and cried seeing it displayed. He said that Marie Roberts, um, Charles's wife, was also touched. She was absolutely deeply moved by the love shown to her and her family by these people. Do you hear it? If you listen carefully, there's a faint thump. Maybe it's a knock. Someone's knocking. The quiet Christian community in Pennsylvania has been tuned into that knock. They heard that knock to open their hearts and let Christ come in and live with them and among them. They are to me a refreshing example of a therapeutic community ablaze with God's love, providing comfort and healing, not only for each other, but for their enemy and those around them. And that's a beautiful God thing. Listening, inviting, healing, refreshing. Is there something that we can learn from that community so simple as we live in a community 
so sophisticated. We are all part of the eternal congregation, a community called to live as a therapeutic and refreshing community, living together in anticipation of that glorious day, the day of promise, the day of hope. This is the hope-inspired revelation of Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that we have this hope of a future of spending eternity with you. We're so thankful for the hope that can be an inspiring agent in this community calling us to be therapeutic, calling us to be refreshing, to be healing, to be loving, to be energizing, to be invigorating. We can't wait to see what happens in our families, in our church, in our community as we take this to heart. Go with us now. Be with us always. I pray all this in the name of your Son. Amen.